Hey everybody, welcome to Why It Matters, the podcast for the dreamers and the driven who are changing the world their way. This is Luke Martiros, your host, and our guest today is coming from Boston, where he is revolutionizing urban America through his work at the base. The facade of the American dream is slowly starting to crack. For decades, the country was a beacon of hope for every individual who believed they can work hard and create a better life for themselves. As the pandemic highlighted, that narrative is becoming hard to believe. Thousands of communities across the United States are trapped by systemic barriers that prevent socioeconomic mobility. Robert and his organization are changing the narrative. They use athletics and educational opportunities to cultivate excellence, belief, and love in their communities. That belief is revolutionizing how American communities see themselves and the opportunities in their future. Before we listen to his story, everybody take a second to settle in, appreciate where you are, and take a deep breath with me. And now, off to the episode. And we are live. Robert Lewis Jr., thank you for coming on to Why It Matters. Thank you, Luke. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to today. It's great to be be back and having another conversation with you. Um, And I would love to kick things off with a question about how did you get into what you're doing today? What life experiences led you to, to doing what you're doing now? You know, what's, what's interesting, I mean, when I started thinking about the base and from like taking from baseball many years ago to where we are today, it started in 1978. I, you know, I was walking in the neighborhood and four young people stopped me and said, hey, you're new to the neighborhood. We heard you played high school baseball. This was the summer of 78 before I was going to be attending college. They said, hey, we need a local coach. Would you consider coaching our baseball team? So I said, yes. So I coached them that summer. I came back the next summer in the neighborhood and did the same. And then the following year, started building kids from not just Villa Victoria in the South End, but Cathedral Housing Development, Tent City, Castle Square. So I had kids coming from four different subsidized housing developments to play baseball. And and it was crazy about that. If anyone would have told me back then that this was going to change my trajectory to everything I've done professionally in my career, but I never stopped coaching. So it was until 2013 is when I realized that I wanted to do more with baseball and sports and really take it to academics as well. Because at that time, what I believe is that our young folks could could succeed on and off the field. And it wasn't just good enough that we were good in baseball, but I wanted us to be great enough that we were going to be great in school and going on to college and those things following up. So, so four kids stopping me in 1978 has led me to where we are today. <laughs> Who would have thought? It's all those, those serendipitous interactions that you, you just don't know where they're going to go. Um, so it's amazing. And so I guess throughout that time, what were some of the steps in your journey that were big elevating moves that, that brought you to the next level? Do you have any stories or insights? Yeah, you know, I, I think part of it was 
it started off with baseball. Then the thing I realized is a lot of leagues outside of Boston didn't have players that were black and Latino, or they didn't have teams from the city. So we wanted to be a team from the city playing in competition outside of Boston. So, you know, those steps were like, how do we play in the city, but also play and compete with the suburban teams? Then you start to realize that there's a cost factor that goes into this, right? So what we realized we needed to do was we started doing dance parties, car washes, cake sales, because it costs, right? It costs for the baseballs, the equipment, the playing the leagues and the umpires. So I, I, I know it sounds crazy. So all of a sudden it goes from a lovable sport that also has financial implications, right? Because if you couldn't fund yourself or pay for it, you couldn't compete. And, you know, and then at that point, what I realized was that, um, you know, our young folks were good enough um, to compete with anybody. And, but the idea was about access and opportunities, you know, and these are the things that I was, you know, you're learning during the way. So then as you get older, you realize this is more than just baseball. It's about access. It's about opportunities. It's about ensuring we had the resources to do this. It was also showing that this wasn't charity, that our kids can compete and win against the best of them. So there were a lot of life lessons. And some of the biggest life lessons were, if our kids knew how to win on the field, if we applied the same principles in life off the field, how can they, you know, contain um, and, you know, and, you know, and retain some of that same skills about preparation, practice, and performance. And those things apply to life. You know, those things apply to life. And it applies like not just finishing school, going to college, your job. But these are just principles and values that the sports world can teach you um, as you're moving forward. So a lot of those big lessons learned and then not just in the power of sport. If you don't play on the field and make it on the field, there's hundreds of jobs in sports, right? So again, you could stay involved in sports, even if it wasn't being a player or a participant on the field or on the court. So those are the things that you learn that, you know, it's an industry and it's a big industry and there's opportunities to be engaged and to stay engaged. For sure. And I think a lot of those, those principles that you mentioned are things that you've ingrained in the base, at least from my experience of visiting it. And so I'd love for you to talk about what is the base? What do you do? And after that, maybe I can follow up with a question if you need a reminder, but um, how did you build the community? that exists there? Yeah, you know, um, the base is a sports and academic academy. We're using sports as a vehicle, a shift in a paradigm for mostly urban young folks to be successful, like I said, on and off the field. Um, we want to ensure that access and opportunities are going to be available and accessible to our young folks. And that's around college readiness, college preparation. You know, that's around workforce readiness, workforce preparation. That's about internships and jobs and career opportunities. Um, and so much of that is about how are you shifting a culture, a culture of success, a culture of values. Um, when you walk in the base, we have this thing called the base way, right? And the base way is about earn your spot. Everything is an earn right. Nothing is given. You got to work hard for everything. We have another tag like when you believe you can, you can. How do you create a belief system in yourself, in your team, that you can do well to move forward? 
preparation, practice, and performance. Um, we have this one, expectations, not rules. Set up a high bar of expectations for our young folks, and I believe they'll achieve them. If we set a low bar for folks, that's where they're striving for. And I think, unfortunately, in cities in urban America, some folks set low bars. Um, I want us to push this agenda and set that high bar. Um, and we live by excellence is the new minimum. Excellence is the new minimum. You know, good is mediocrity. Let's start high. And success lives here. We want to create a culture within our folks that they're successful at all. Your zip code will not determine your success. Your socioeconomic background will not determine your success. If you're from a one or two, you know, parent home, that will not determine. We will take out all of those things that folks use around deficit language to define urban kids and our young folks. So we're about acid-driven language, an acid-driven methodology, and it's about a belief system of the potential and the possibility of the greatness of our young folks. And at the base, when you walk in, we have up on our wall, it says urban talent is America's talent. We want folks to see we are a new urban talent base um, here in Boston. And we're just waiting um, for others to recognize and realize that we are an urban talent pipeline for colleges and universities and for jobs and careers as well. I had that experience when I came in just feeling that energy and that that standard of excellence that's ingrained there and being within the people that were going through the process of what you've created, I could feel that the energy that you created. So just respect from me as the host. Um, it's an amazing thing. And I would love to hear about- First of all, I, I appreciate that because it, it, is, it is about building a culture. It's about culture building. And it passes down from generations to generations. So when you look at who our coaches and instructors are, they're folks that have played for me five, six, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, who know the culture, but know the expectations of belief in our young folks, love them. Some people use the word discipline. We love them hard. And, and again, and it's about providing that hope and access for a better future for them. But if you don't create that culture and you only see it as a deficit, then you treat them that way. So, so much of it is about culture change. And I appreciate you sharing that when you came in because that's where we're hoping that folks are gonna experience the base live, not a dog and pony show. You get it live. And when you walk in, this is who we are and this is what we represent. Yeah, I feel like it was alive, you know? Um, and so, Based on that culture, what is what is the process like? So tell me about the experience of someone who goes through your program. What is that experience? What are they doing? And then how do they take, like you said, that experience and make sure not only does it stay with them, but then they can take that and pass it down to friends, family, potentially children, other people in their work communities? You know, I think one of the things we've realized <clears throat> when somebody comes in new, provide them with a quick tour and an orientation. So we wanna make sure that folks, when they come in and see the facility, you know, they don't just say, hey, wow, I have the batting cages, right? Yes, you do. But if you tour them and they have a chance to meet the instructors and find out that 90% of our instructors were former players, right? 
or you're meeting the instructors that'll shit a story about being a young kid who grew up through the base, went on to college, and now are doing work. And when they're walking through the base and we show them the classrooms where you get homework, support, tutoring, classes to help, and SAT, dual enrollment, um, we added on, you know, esports. And within the esports, it's coding and it's branding and it's marketing. So young folks get this whole thing that this isn't just about coming in and hitting. It's coming in and getting more than that. And it's, to the best of our ability, building the whole self. So that orientation is important. The power of our instructors and staff is critically important because the language is being repetitive. It's about developing the next generation of urban talent. Um, and I think what will happen over time, especially if you knew, folks are seeing that. Um, all of a sudden, some folks are meeting folks and realizing so will say, oh yeah, my dad came through the program or my uncle or my aunt came through the program. So I just think it's because we're locked in the community, we're of the community, we participate um, um, in, in a way of like how we're celebrating the community. Um, you know, and it goes again to how do you create the culture and the standards? How is that ingrained in the staff and the people that work here? And, and language matters. Lucas, language matters. It's Again, if young folks are hearing over and over and over again about success, about hard work, about paying it forward, all of a sudden, if young folks are realizing um, at a young age when we do our college fair, it doesn't matter if you're 6 to 18, you participate in the college fair. Because, again, at the young age of 6, we're trying to create this environment that college is for you, too. So, um, again, you want to be intentional very intentional on what you do and how you do it. So our young folks come in, there's instruction, there's, there's the um, classes, we have a schedule. Um, most of it is if you're in high school, it's a lot of, we do over 20 to 30 college tours a year. We do a historically black and college university tour in February for a week. We take folks to visit um, HBCUs. Um, we bring folks to do career days and visit companies here in Boston. Um, we make sure that we're checking in on them regularly about how they're doing in school. And, um, you know, and then we have a schedule. And again, and especially if you're a college student, junior or senior, what you need to do. Uh, if you're younger and you do esports, there's classes. Um, we just want to make sure that the young folks know when they come here, they're going to get the resources. And we're not a drop-in center. So there's not like the place you come to hang out, right? You're in here doing your, your work, your sports, or you're in here doing your classroom work and getting ready. And, and that's our focus because, again, we're going to be intentional about the work we put in for our young folks to get them ready for internships and jobs. Our young folks need to be active participants in this 21st century economy. It sounds like there is an abundance of support coming from you guys. Um, and... I just want to point out that that is something at six years old, I think is extremely different. I've never heard any person organization that's doing that. So that's incredible. Um, and so coming from the flip side, you're doing a lot for these young people And what has the organization and these young people taught you? Great question. What they taught me is how resilient they are. It's all about opportunities and access, right? Others have defined them as deficits. 
Others have defined our communities in a negative connotation. Um, what our young folks have shown is that, you know, you find your passion point, you provide the training and the skills and the opportunities, they'll succeed. Um, um, what our young folks have also showed us is that, um, like, to not to allow themselves to be defined by others and living by a set of low expectations. Um, I think the other thing our young folks have showed me is their ability to love. They come in and they want to be here. They're not court referred. It's not like they have to be here. Um, and, and they want to work hard. Um, and I've seen it with the number of alumni that we have, that we've hired. So all it is is provide that opportunity, provide that access and let them go. Um, you know, and they'll be, and I, I'm, in my heart, they'll, they'll just be successful. And we have shown that at the base. Um, but at the end of the day, Lucas, the hardest thing for me, Luke, is that we're serving, like, a, you know, we have a lot of young folks in our program. But when you look at the city as a whole, it's a small portion. What we're hoping is our methodology and the way we do business are going to be things that can rub off on others. So when you leave the base, we want kids in the neighborhood to go, wow, that's my neighbor going to college. Or that's my neighbor who graduated from college who lives in the same neighborhood, right? Oh my goodness, like, I'm interested in baseball, basketball, girls, softball. I want to come to the base because my neighbor does it. And we know this. The more we get our young folks finishing high school, going to college, or working, we want our young folks to say, you, what do you do? You work in real estate? Tell me about real estate. We want to ensure that our young folks are going to have access to the diverse sectors that exist in our, our community. So, um, so I just think at the end of the day, the work we're doing for the young folks today is about the change we need to make in the next decade. And it's the change we need to make for generations. We need to create a new urban story, like a new urban model where folks are gonna look at cities in America that many, many years ago, Luke, were the economic engines of America, right? Our cities were the economic engine. Now, too many of our cities have been flipped and people will see them as poor, violent, less educated, um, unemployed, all of those things. We wanna be part of that flip to say, um, urban cities can go back to being an economic engine, can go back to developing talent, but we have to be intentional and we have to invest time, energy, and resources to make that happen. And that's what I want to create. I want to be a model of success in that if you're investing, folks, this is the model you can implement. I don't care if it's sports, it could be arts, music, design, dance, theater, but it's a way of how you're building culture of excellence is what I think is going to be a driving change. And sports is a vehicle to do that. Definitely. I, I definitely agree. And I'd love for you to touch on where you are at now. Like you're, you have your one location. And I know that the last time that we were in communication, you were considering expanding. And so I, I have a few thoughts about um, scale and touching on what you just mentioned is exposure. You have someone in the neighborhood, they see someone that's, let's say gone through the basis program, like, wow, like they're doing it. They're really doing it and I can do it. And so all that wrapping into one thing, I guess, would be how do you plan on scaling, um, growing, and just in general, do you have a, a vision for the organization? 
Yeah, you know, over the years, when we added girls softball, that was a big part, then bringing more and more girls in. About two years ago, we added basketball, which has really grown. And what's been great about this is we have some of our basketball players interested in baseball, some of our baseball players interested in basketball. We've also are working within a couple of schools in the area that we're providing resources and programs. We're gonna be doing stuff for a school this summer. Um, we have a site in Chicago that's up and running um, that's just doing incredible work. We've taken our methodology into Pittsburgh and Indianapolis. We run this national urban classic where we bring urban teams from throughout the country here to Boston to play sports, but we also do college readiness, career readiness, college tours, and we do something different. So we have brought that model to um, the year before the pandemic, 2019. We had a base urban classic in Indy, in Chicago, in Pittsburgh, in Boston, and it's about creating this methodology. So as we're thinking about growth, I'm not sure it has to be more base sites, but we want to figure out how do we create the base methodology that other cities and others which are happening now could come in, learn about the base. And if you're interested in a base, we have a whole system that you'd have to follow through. But what you might just find out is come in and I, I use the, the word like the Harvard Extension Program. You go and you can learn about things and you can bring it back. So you don't have to be a base, but you can bring back, if it's the principles of fundraising culture, um, program design, product design. Um, and that's what I want. I want us also to be this urban academy that we can actually educate teams and coaches um, around the country on a methodology of urban success and what we're doing around, again, culture, education, and workforce as well. Sports itself will not just be the sole vehicle that's going to change our communities. You know, education, access opportunities, skill-based learning, and workforce will do that. Um, and I believe we have a model that we can share with others, leverage with others, continue to grow in the schools in the area, continue to work with, we're working now in about 15 different urban baseball programs around the country that we've been doing Zoom calls and meeting with and providing guidance, support, wisdom, sharing our network with them. And to me, that's powerful because if we can share our assets to other folks and help to support them in their work in communities, that's the way to go. So I wanna go from the base to eventually being the base urban academy or the base national urban academy, where again, I want to be a, like to get more folks coming in from different sports. And, you know, we may end up deciding like we did with girls softball and basketball. Do we take on an additional sport? Because again, the power of sports allows folks the opportunity to get educated and to learn and then to be part of something bigger than themselves. So with this vision and the organization you're building and the problems you're tackling, it's pretty enormous. And so what do you guys do in terms of a business model in, in financing? Yeah, a few things is uh, being very intentional and strategic on, you know, how we're raising our money. And some of that also ties into, you know, leveraging a board of directors, a finance committee, um, how we're going to manage the money. And it's important 
for us to have the staff and the resources from fundraising and financing to manage that. Um, you know, a lot of it is building strategic alliances. I, I have this thing, right? In the nonprofit world, people talk about funding and supporting. In the business world, we talk about investing. We're flipping that language. We're asking folks to invest in their next generation of talent. You know, you know, we're also asking, like I said, before I jumped on with you, we have a company, the CEO and his employees here, visiting the base, in the cages, getting to know the base. And then all of a sudden he's now talking about, whoa, I want some of these young folks for jobs and internships. So a big part for us is how are we going to strategically invest in building our capacity? We're gonna be launching a capital campaign soon to make more of investment in staffing, technology. We're looking at the field that's, you know, to, we can't see. Um, but how are we gonna be making more of an investment in building the larger capacity we need? And I think something else you said earlier about scale, the power, it is, it is so wild to walk around the state or go to a mall or go places and to see young folks and families wearing base gear. And then we get hit up on our social media website. What's the base, right? Mm. So the power of product, the power of a brand that might create an interest and in somebody reads about us on our website and says, oh my goodness, how do I get involved in that? Um, and what we've also have seen with this, Luke, is um, when you walk in the base, the majority of our young folks are from basketball, African-American and Latino. But we also have a, a set of young white kids that are part of our program. And we have had parents from the suburbs saying, what an opportunity for their kids to come in and to be part of something that's diverse. Look at what sports does. Sports will be a unifier. While everybody around our country is saying, how do we bring people together? Sports is doing that, you know, in a way, because what folks are really holding you to is that you bring in your game and you showing up and you're working hard every day. And, and I just think that we can't be afraid to look at sports as a tool that brings folks together from every socioeconomic background, neighborhood and region. Um, and it's the power of our young folks. Um, so I just think those are things too that I wanna make sure that we don't lose track of is that sports is a force to unite folks. Sometimes, like I said, when I started many, many years ago, a lot of the programs that we entered, we were the only the only team of color or the only team from the city. You know, we don't need to do that. And that's why I say funding and money shouldn't be the reason that kids can't participate in a child's game that you can go out there and have a lot of fun with. Right. I definitely agree. And that just, that made me think of, I watched this movie, I think it's called Invictus about the South African team winning the world cup. And that showed how the power of sports can be so powerful. to have this influence in, helping end apartheid in South Africa. And so yes. and who would have ever thought, who would have ever thought that rugby, that rugby was going to play a role and not just before South Africa, change the players, right? Change the rugby system. And then, like you said, was a unifier for a country. Yeah. So powerful. And it's, and we've seen this, listen, we've seen that in sports. We see it with the upcoming Olympics coming up. So, you know, and when, when the pandemic hit and the world stopped and there were no sports, I think everyone around the world, like you realize what we were missing in the power of sports, the power of athletes, the power of representation, 
from your communities, your team, your country, and uh, and even the global sport itself. So, um, you know, listen, we hope we hope that there's so many lessons learned that we'll keep grabbing from the power of sports. And um, and and if there's one thing I think great, you know, just that was great about Invictus, which was phenomenal. But I also think the pandemic and what it did is a unifier, not just from sports, but also around social issues that happened to happen during the pandemic as well. So um, athletes came together in ways we've never seen in the history of sports. And they were standing and raising their voices or kneeling um, for things that really mattered to them. And I only believe we can be better and continue to grow from that as we move forward. A hundred percent. It was amazing seeing players throughout many leagues, but taking stands and taking stands that were, that I personally had never experienced in my, well, short lifetime, but still in this history too. And but I would love to wrap up um, with a question about power and about empowering. And so for everyone listening, what can they do, whether it's maybe they, they go on your website and they buy a shirt that says the base and then they see someone in the mall and it spreads the message, or maybe they can help with capital raising or maybe whatever it is. If someone's interested in the intersection of sports and doing good, because I think there's a lot of people who are, but have no idea how to get involved. So what could, what could people do who are listening that, that want to do something with this? You know, there's a few things I say. First of all, look, I want to say thank you for having me and providing me with this opportunity to hang out with you, um, you know, on your podcast, but also to share about the base. I, I think there's a few things I would, I would say to folks. I'd say, you know, local, like get to know your young folks. And if it's sports, arts, you know, um, design, whatever, young folks have a passion point. Realize that we as adults are you know, as, as leaders, that we have a role in developing and investing in the next generation. I, I always say to folks, it's funny, we can send a person to the moon and back, but neighbors sometimes don't know their neighbors. Get to know your neighbors, get to find out what's happening in your neighborhood. How are you actively involved? The greatest gift any of us can give is the gift of being of service and of citizenship to others. I'd also would say to folks, don't be afraid to actually get to know folks from other neighborhoods and communities. And if it's games, if it's something, provide your kids and provide your nieces, nephews, grandkids with access. You know, so if you don't live in Boston, come to Boston or meet someone in Boston and let the kids play, right? That's the biggest thing, let the kids play. The other thing is a reminder, sports and the values and the principles and the learning of sports are things that you apply in life. So let's not, like push sports aside, let's embrace it and let's celebrate it. My only other thing I would just say to parents and others is let the kids love the game. Let's not put the pressure on young folks that they have to impress parents and others. That's the great thing about the game. You can get out there and you have to learn from somewhere. And if you're interested in the base, check us out, www.thebase.org. Find out about us, like check us out and, um, and please don't feel like send us an email and let us know your thoughts and ideas. Um, but part of it with the base is we just, we want to be out doing our part, but we want to also celebrate the power of sports that are happening on a local level, you know, a regional level, and as well on a national and global level. So um, we feel blessed and I feel blessed to be able to do this work every, 
single day. Stay involved, get involved, be involved. Amazing. Um, I also feel blessed to just be able to have this conversation with you. So on that note, Robert, thank you so much for coming on. It was, it was a pleasure and I'm, I'm happy that other people can hear about what you're doing because I think it's amazing work. Thank you, Luke. Thank you so much. And that wraps up today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, follow us on LinkedIn at Why It Matters and on Instagram at Why underscore it underscore matters underscore. You will find our community of guests and listeners who are forming the next generation of changemakers. Come join the group of people leading humanity into the future. I'll see you all soon.